When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Cooler Jets podcast. We're host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, we've had a few days to rewatch the Browns game. We're sitting here on Sunday afternoon. The Jets have had a couple of practices since that game. You and I have both redone our 53-man rosters. The Jets themselves have made a few roster moves. So plenty to talk about today. But first, I'll start with this. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. And like I told you in the last podcast, once the preseason game is over and you get to go back in, and dive into it. That's when it's fun. It was it was a lot of fun this week getting a chance to rewatch that game and break all the stuff down, see all these individual performances, what was good, what was bad. This is the part that I like. So, uh, yeah, football's back. New game film. That's great. I mean, the amount of times we've gone back and rewatched games from 2022, and it's also weird because it's going to be a different offense, and Zach Wilson was starting, and at times it was a bit of a shit show. So yeah, I'm glad, even if it's preseason football, to to get back and analyze some of these players and the offense as a whole. Let's start here. Zach Wilson. I think all of us were pretty okay with his performance. He obviously had the great throw to Malik Taylor down the left sideline. That was definitely the highlight. Had a few gaffes, but nothing nothing terrible. He did seem a lot calmer, which is really what all we were looking for is to see just a calmer Zach Wilson. And I think you saw that. Uh, after going back and watching the All-22, getting to see how his routes developed and the decisions that he made, what did you make of, of Zach Wilson's limited action? Well, first of all, I think before I say anything, it's important to remember what we're talking about here. Six dropbacks against backups, so <laughs> you don't want to read into it too much and act like this is a perfect encapsulation of where he's at right now because like it was three drives. I'm pretty sure it was three, right? So. I mean, it's hard to really pull too much out of it. And like we said, remember how good he was in his rookie preseason. So regardless of how good he looks, it's hard to definitively say, okay, now he's ready to go be a good, solid backup quarterback. So I think all that is important to put out there. But at the same time, I still think it was cool to be able to watch some film of this new Zach Wilson, who, you know, since the last time we've seen him, so much has changed. I mean, he's been benched for a second time. Aaron Rodgers has come in and he's had all these months to pick his brain and be around lost all his drip. Lost all of his drip for sure. He's got to get the sleeves back. Yeah, what'd you make of that? that? He came out he came out sleeveless trying to show off the guns. He You said this, have... but he he did kind of look like a kicker. He, yeah, he looked like a kicker. I, I don't know if it's the number two, but yeah, he lost his visor. I don't kind of like the his... two. I don't, I don't think I he had think the eye black either. He didn't have the eye black. He was wearing green cleats. I mean, he didn't look like himself, but he did play well. I mean what did you make of it? Yeah, so I mean, for the most part, I thought it was promising. And he checked some of the boxes that I think we were looking for uh, when we were previewing going into this game. You know, it wasn't all about the highlights, even though he did hit a big highlight, one of his best in-structure highlights that we've seen from him in his career. Um, so it was nice that he got that. But even like, say that pass was dropped or if he overthrew it a little bit more. And, and you know, look, the whole perception of the performance would change uh, because it is all based on that. You know, he threw six passes. If that was incomplete, people wouldn't talk about it as good. But I think even if that were, you know, slightly different or whatever, just the process of that play and the process of all six plays, I thought while he was in there 
was really good. Like even the one play where he got sacked, he got it back to the line of scrimmage. I thought that was a play that really showed signs of what we want to see more of from him because, you know, when you're watching that on the broadcast, it kind of looks like classic ugly Zach Wilson run around, get sacked for zero yards, slip and all that. But when you rewatch it, you can see that he went through all four of his progressions. All of them were covered and he got great pass protection on the play. And instead of doing what he would do last year, which is, you know, first reads covered. All right, I'm out of here. Regardless of the clean protection, I'm going to try and make something happen. Instead of that, he stood tall, went one, two, three, four. Then he took off. And unfortunately, he slipped and he, you know, it looked kind of ugly and he got back to the line of scrimmage. But the process was the right process. And I saw poise from him and I saw field reading on that play, which you don't see a lot of on his film last year and as a rookie. So um, to that play, I actually thought, despite the result, was one of his better plays. I was, I, I felt like he, he could have hung in there for another another beat because one of his receivers does get open on the right side, and there was maybe a lane to rush on the right did. side. The only thing I would say, yeah, that's the only thing I would say about that play is maybe he could have gone right instead of spinning back to his left because I think it was Gibson. My, I forget who, if it was Gibson or someone else, but uh, yeah, someone yeah, he was covered initially on a crossing route, something over the middle. And then he improvised, he cut it vertically, and he separated. So maybe if he went to the right, he would have seen that. And there's also more space to the right, I think. Well, so maybe the spin back he didn't need to do, but uh, yeah, I did like, like the process. I know he made that incredible pro day throw three years ago or whatever it is now. Um, but spinning left like that as a right-handed quarterback just often isn't isn't going to work out for you. Obviously, Zach Wilson has the athleticism to do it. I will say, you know, he did have some open grass if he was able to get by that guy. Maybe he could have had a big play. You know, bad field conditions is partly why he slipped. And I think, you know, maybe he should get used to it because he plays at MetLife. But, you know, if he makes that guy miss, there's there's no complaints there. I just think that play to me, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like he did stay in there for for an extra beat or two and he did go through his reads. He didn't panic as much, but I would have liked to, to see him hang in there for, for another beat and try to find. I think it was Gibson on the right uh, or scramble there. What, what I will give him is that I think yeah. going to the left – he had three of his four receivers on that side. So maybe he figured, all right, he, I have more passing options over here. So if I'm going to scramble, that's right. the side I'm going to go to. So maybe I'll give him that. But I do agree. It was you know, the lane to the right was pretty much wide open right in front of him. So if he was going to bail at that point, maybe that would have been the better side to go well, to. It's also like situational awareness, which is something that Zach has clearly struggled with. I think it was, was it third and four? third and four third and five yeah i think it was third and four yeah yeah it was a short situation so in that case yes the left side like you said his receivers over there and room to run he definitely would have had a lot more if he was able to get by that that one line uh lineman but to the right i think he easily could have gotten the five yards yes there were two linebackers that would have closed in on him but he could have gotten the first down and gotten down it's just yeah i mean some progress but you know we should be fair and balanced here i feel like that that play was still a negative for him but i will say that pass he had to Malik Taylor might be the best pass I've seen him have as an NFL quarterback. I mean, at least, at least on a vertical route. I mean, he hit him perfectly in stride. I know Taylor had to adjust for it a little bit, but still, I mean, a 57 yard bomb like that um, in the back of your end zone is, is impressive. Nonetheless, I really liked that play. What did you make of the one miss he had on third down? Um, you were, I couldn't tell. Was that was he trying to throw it away? Was he just trying to put in a position where either his receiver is going to get it? I think he just missed it. I, that was yeah. the one play where I think he missed. So, you know, there is a sign of some accuracy issues in there. Um, there was a, the screen to Izzy, which maybe I'm nitpicking a little bit, but it was kind of to the inside. Um, you know, he kind of caught it with one hand. 
And then there was the one flat throw he threw to Yaboa, which was I thought it was a little short. He made Yaboa come back to it, maybe cost him a yard or two, and he was close to the stick. So there was some minor accuracy stuff in there outside of the one amazing throw. Yeah. But um for the most part, I I thought I liked the process. There were instances of him standing in the pocket instead of bailing when I thought he maybe would have in the past. Um so I thought for the most part I was I was encouraged, yeah. but again it's it's six plays. You don't want to read too much into it. Right. But I thought some of the things he showed process wise are what you want to see more of as you right. evaluate him throughout this preseason. Yeah, and his feet looked a hell of a lot calmer too. That's the biggest thing that that stood out to me. Uh, and yeah, th- those little short accuracies where it's like okay, it gets to his guy. You don't want to critique too much. That's where you're really going to see the difference with Rogers because he really leads his receivers into that those yards after catch on those on those quick plays. Uh, overall, though, it sounds like Zach's having a good camp. You know, see how he progresses throughout the preseason. Um, but I think that was a good good start to building his confidence back up. Hopefully we don't have to see him at all this year in the regular season. But uh, if he puts together a good preseason, I'd feel a lot better about his development. And, and this is just such a great opportunity for him to, um, to develop. Let's talk about the tackles, because I think that's clearly the biggest concern on this team right now. Haven't seen anything from Dwayne Brown. Seems like he's, they said he's two weeks away from practicing. Um, Billy Turner's been getting beat a lot in practice, but he didn't play in this game. The two tackles that did play in this game that raised some question marks. Let's start with Becton, who actually played pretty well, um, but pulls himself after seven plays. I don't fully blame him because, again, bad field conditions. If he's feeling his knee, the guy hasn't played in two years. I know some fans are getting on him about pulling himself, but I don't blame him for taking it slow. This is an extra game. Um and in the action, in the seven snaps that he did play, I thought he looked um, like the Mackay Becton that we saw his rookie year. What'd you make of, of Becton's performance? I liked it. And again, it's the same thing as Zach Wilson. You don't want to read too much into seven plays, but I thought he did what I wanted to see him do, which is go out there and dominate against preseason competition, you know? And that is what he did back in 2021 against the Giants and Packers. So he kept that up. I liked that he did that. Um, and, and really in both phases, I thought he was good in pass protection. He was, I thought pretty smooth getting into, into his pass sets. And then there was the one play where, uh, this one you could kind of see, I think we talked about on the last one, but, uh, you know, using his length to push the rusher past the pocket, even if he gets beaten. Um, and then in the run game, I thought he showed some of that overwhelming power, just the ability to move people in a way that most other linemen can just creating some of that especially on like outside zone plays that lateral movement that he can create is just very beneficial so only seven plays but you know he's checking the box of what you want him to do because it would be concerning if he didn't dominate against these players but he's doing what he's supposed to and um but the big question obviously is just going to continue to be the durability i i think i'm def i definitely am a little concerned about the fact that you know short appearance in the hall of fame game and there's already some knee soreness, and he has to come out. So I, I'd like that they're playing it safe, of course. Um, but just the fact that there's already a little bit of you know inability to fight through, and not fight through, because again, I'm not saying he should have fought through it, but just the fact that there already has been concerns of him being able yeah. to stay in the field is a you know it's an issue. So I mean, what do you think of you know what do you make of that whole situation of him getting hurt, coming out, and everything that played out with that? I- I don't. I'm. I'm okay with it because it's a Hall of Fame game. I want to see how he progresses throughout preseason. Um, but like, I mean, this guy's a monster human being who's coming off of back-to-back major uh, knee surgeries, and yeah, clearly that he doesn't have the same confidence in the knee. That there's one play where he even slips a little bit, and you can see he bangs his right knee against 
Adam Pankey, the injured knee. And then as soon as he goes to plant it in the ground, it's almost like he didn't want to fully sink it in and he, he slips on it and he you know goes face first into the, the turf. Still wasn't a bad play from him because he was able to keep control of his man. Um, but you could just sense that he's not fully confident in that knee. You know, he if 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 he's playing left tackle, he's playing alongside Lake and Tomlinson and and Lakin gets knocked over, you know Becton's gonna be worried about any sort of contact on that knee. Um, so that's really kind of what stood out to me. But again, because it's the Hall of Fame game, this is a bonus game. And it's turf that has, yeah, I mean, they canceled the game. And what year was that? Like 2016 because the turf was yeah. so bad. And you even saw Zach slip. And I saw some of the other reports. Even like the showers and post game was, wasn't working. So this is not a field that is um, sees a lot of NFL action once a year. Um, so I don't hate it. I don't hate him being cautious about it. The joint practices and the preseason games themselves, if he's not able to get through you know, I'd like to see him get through a whole half is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. The thing that's right. that's interesting to me is that he's not even taking any right tackle reps. And we all assumed that the best five for the Jets was going to be Brown at left tackle and Becton at right tackle. Um, I guess we, we can loop this into the Max Mitchell discussion because I thought Mitchell really didn't look that great. You don't want to overreact to it. You know, he's still a young player. He didn't even play. How many games did he even play his rookie year? Because he, he obviously... Six, missed. I believe. Six or yeah. seven. It's a fourth round pick who's played six games uh, and he's had some good practices. If you listen to some of the, you know, Robbie Sabo, of course it's different in game. Uh, and he wasn't, you know, a complete train wreck, but I think you would have liked to see him perform better, especially in the run game against the, the Browns backups. What did you make of Mitchell's performance? And then I guess we can talk about right tackle as a whole. I actually might disagree with you a little bit there. I think there is an argument to be made that he was a train wreck specifically in the run game pass blocking. I didn't, he was, he was solid with the, with the few reps. Yeah, we were going to say. Okay, his... well, can I can I be honest, though? Sure. I At this point, with a 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, if our two tackles are below average in the run game and our run game takes a hit, I'm fine, as long as they're holding up in pass yeah, protection. Fair. You know? So that's what I really care about from these tackles. Because I, I think AVT and Brees, and, they'll be able to get some sort of run game going, even if the tackles are, are bad. Yeah, that's fair. I'm with you on that. If there, if there is one phase where we're going to be okay, you would like it to be pass protection. Um, because, again, just protect the most prized asset on the team. That's that's what matters the most. So I agree with you. But the run game was troubling for Mitchell. So he played seven snaps in the run game. And based on my count, on five of those plays, he allowed his man to blow up the play. So that that's a ratio that obviously is not going to work at any level, let alone – in the hall of fame game against backup. So it was, it was a troubling start for sure. And it it's concerning because, you know, what were the questions about Mitchell both coming out of the draft and after last season, it was, can he add strength specifically in the run game? And, you know, after this off season where obviously he had an unfortunate health issue, which fortunately he was able to get through. So that's, what's most important, but because he was de- uh, dealing with that, was he able to put the adequate strength training in to be able to make those improvements? And based off that first game against the Browns, maybe that wasn't able to happen, but it is promising that in the next few practices, um, Robbie, like you said, has been doing great coverage at training camp. He says that Mitchell has been looking really good in the run game the past few days, as, as much as you can evaluate that yeah. in a, One of those know, in a is, practice is shells. Yeah. Like uh, in practice against teammates. So, you know, it, even less you should read into it compared to a hall of fame game. Um, I mean, it's just a lack of tackling and the lack of wanting to hurt your teammates. It just changes the whole dynamic of run blocking. But at, at the very least, it's good to hear that he's looked promising within 
what you can possibly evaluate yeah. versus I mean, not. You heard, you heard that before the game, too, that Mitchell was having a good camp. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can see that he's maybe not the strongest player, especially compared to Becton. But for me, what stood out to, is how much he was lunging and looked like out of position. Yeah, yeah, that too. He got off. beat like twice with just lunging, and then the guy would throw an inside uh, you know, swim move over him and go blow up the play. So, yeah, that's a concern. So when you think of right tackle as a whole, you, you wrote an article for, for Jets X Factor. I think it was today. It might have been yesterday. Yeah. Uh, um, talking about potential trade targets. Because I think when you look at this roster, you have to feel great about it um, outside of the tackles. Because uh, even Dwayne Brown, you know, he's, you know, we brought him in to be a backup last year. And now we're like, all right, he's starting in front of Aaron Rodgers' left tackle. That's, that's fine. Um, but as I said, you know, he's been solid in the past game. He's a veteran. I'm okay with him. The run game might suffer with him right tackle is the big concern can Becton stay healthy what is Max Mitchell and please for the love of God don't have Billy Turner start um what do you make of the the right tackle situation is Turner the favorite to start do you think Becton at some point will start to get right tackle reps if he's able to get through some preseason games at left tackle where he's more comfortable maybe builds more confidence that knee if he starts to get right tackle reps towards the end of camp do you think they can throw him out there week one uh you know, is that Hall of Fame game performance concerning enough for you for Mitchell where you are really concerned about him starting week one? And then Billy Turner, all I see is him getting beat at practice. We'll see what he looks like. Hopefully he gets some run, run in these preseason games. So what do you make of the, the right tackle situation? I mean, the odd thing about this situation is the fact that going into the offseason, we all, as you said earlier, we all figured that the best lineup for the Jets featured both Brown and Becton. I don't think anyone ever pictured the best lineup including Max Mitchell or Billy Turner in it. And that's, you know, barring a very strong second year leap from Mitchell, which is still entirely possible by all means, but just based on the first game, I think we want to see a little bit more over the next three games before we can be confident that's going to happen. So could happen, but at this point still TBD, but we always figured it was Brown and Becton and that Becton was going to play right tackle. Even if he didn't want to, that that would be the best way for the Jets to win games, but he's only been playing left tackle. So maybe, as you said, they throw him some reps at right tackle later on, because I don't think it would be a massive adjustment for him because, you know, he played it in college. It's not like it would be brand new to him, but he has been working there all of the off season already. So I, I don't think I expect that to happen, which, you know, makes you think, is he, you know, competing to overtake Brown for that starting spot? Is he penciled into the backup spot? And are they totally confident with, it's Billy Turner, Max Mitchell, right tackle. That's what we're rolling with. And if that's the case, it's hard to feel confident in that. You know, I hope for the best with Mitchell, but it's you got to be realistic and understand that it's not likely that he's going to be the guy you want him to be. So I did put that article out on, on JetX looking at a few trade targets because, you know, there is a chance that, you know, you don't even have to make the trade this, you know, during the next few weeks during the preseason before the – season opener comes it could even be during the season like Rogers said part of the reason he wanted to take that pay cut was to make it easier for the team to make in-season acquisitions uh, so they could even make a trade during the season if things just don't pan out the way they wanted to a tackle but uh, I mentioned three guys there's James Hurst from the Saints he's a 10th year vet he started over 80 games for the Ravens and uh, the Saints the past couple years Joe Douglas was a scout with the Ravens when Hurst was signed as an undrafted free agent in 2014. And Douglas was leading the undrafted free agent process at that time. That was one of his responsibilities. So 
he very likely had a big part of bringing him in. But um, why is he on the table? Well, the Saints drafted Trevor Penning last year in the first round. This year he's taken over as a starter, so Hurst is now a backup. And the Saints, who are cap-strapped as much as any other team in the league right now, they could use some savings, and they can save some money not just this year but also next year by trading James Hurst. So he, that he's a guy I could see the Jets going for. Uh, he's a good pass blocker, you know, fitting in with what you said. Good pass. He's not a run blocker. Pretty low rank there, but pass protection still pretty good. So he's the type he's of guy a, I could see. He's a target. left tackle though, right? Yeah, left tackle. Uh, he has he's played four of the five positions actually, oh, okay. except for center. Mostly left tackle though is what he's played the most. Uh, but he can do right. Um, so he's probably the most realistic guy. Uh, I also mentioned, uh, Lyle Collins for the Bengals, which is, this is more of a swing for the fences than like a, you know, played safe veteran like Hurst would be. Cause obviously he's coming off a serious knee surgery. Um, he is expected or not expected, but is hoping to come back at some point this season. Um, so he'd be more of a swing for the fences, you know, say he comes back healthy, the Bengals are willing to trade him because they did sign Orlando Brown. So Collins would likely be a backup when he comes back and say they're willing to trade him for a day three pick because he did struggle last year. Um, so you, maybe you can buy low on him and bring in a guy who was, you know, as recent as a couple of years ago, viewed as one of the best right tackles in the league. So maybe that's a swing you could take. Then I also mentioned uh, Yash Nijman from the Packers. We know the Jets have been very willing to bring in former Packers offensive players Nijman has been a good backup for the Packers the past few years. He's played both tackle spots, uh, another pass block first guy. So fits that sort of mold if that's the sacrifice you're willing to make for this type of player, because you're not going to find some superstar. So like we said, if you want to pick one, pick the pass blocking. Uh, So he fits that. He's been a good pass blocker and uh, he could be available because he might be a backup. The Packers have a couple of recent draft picks, uh, Zach Tom and Josh Myers, who could potentially beat out Nijman to start this year. And he's going to be a free agent after the season. Maybe they trade him. So uh, those, those are three guys that brought up. So I could see them making this type of trade probably more likely during the season yeah. than before, I would think. Because, you know, if they were that desperate, you would think they would have done something during the offseason. I think right. they, for whatever reason, want to roll with this group and just see how it plays out. But it's it's tough. To, it's I want it to play out well. I really do. But it's just hard to see it because it feels like everything has to go perfectly just for it to be okay so i do think there's going to come a point where we're like the jets got to go trade for a tackle yeah i I mean i think with becton my gut is telling me that this is a guy who hasn't really played football in two seasons he's more comfortable at left tackle and that knee is not fully there yet i mean they talk about it like a confidence thing i think yeah i think some of it's mental it's also just getting back into football shape uh, clearly he's in playing shape, but with that knee on turf blocking, you know, having 60 to 70 reps every game, I, I think they made the wise decision, especially after Becton voiced his concerns publicly about, Hey, I, you know, I have an injured right knee. I'm more comfortable at left tackle. The right knee, the right tackle puts more stress on my knee. I'm a left tackle. And I think the jets, I, he did come out and say, I think last week that, you know, he just wants to start. So he would play right tackle. I think the Jets are saying, okay, Makai, we're going to take it extremely slow with you because you've had trouble staying on the field. Let's put you at left tackle. You're going to work with the backups, and you're going to build back up. And so I think Becton, I mean, their goal for Becton is to keep him healthy week in and week out. You know, keep him at left tackle, build up his confidence. And then during the season, you know, it could be week two, week three, week four, if who's ever starting at right tackle between Billy Turner and Max Mitchell is struggling, 
Beckton can come in. Also, if if Dwayne Brown, 38-year-old Dwayne Brown, is injured or struggling, Beckton can slide up to left tackle. So I think Beckton is going to start the year on the bench, but I, no chance that he's not on the field for me. If he's healthy, by mid-October, I think that he's, yeah, he's too much I of agree. a game changer. I think they're just taking the slow route with them, you know, He's just getting back into playing football. Let him get through training camp preseason. I think it's possible he sees some right tackle reps during preseason, but if he's still at the point where he's pulling himself seven plays into the Hall of Fame game, it's like, all right, Becton, let's just let's just focus on left tackle right now. Let's get you to playing a, a full half or, you know, hopefully a full game at some point. Turner, you know, has experience in the offense. Roger seems to like him and trust him and has played with him on the line before at right tackle. So I think there's a level of comfort there that even if if he's a bit of a turnstile. Rogers knows him and trusts him to at least hold up for two seconds. <laughs> um, Mitchell's really the guy that they're banking on. And it sounded like he was having a good training camp, but that, yeah, that, the Hall of Fame game to me was concerning. But as I said, it's not a train wreck because I felt like he held up in pass protection, which is the, the most important thing. Out of those options you, you laid out, I think Hurst makes the most sense, even though he's a left tackle. I know, you know he can play right tackle, but he's more right. comfortable at left tackle. He, to me, makes the most sense as, as a veteran option. However, the final option, and the option that I think is getting increasingly more likely, especially if if guys start to get injured, and we saw it last year, is AVT at right tackle, which I'll be honest, as soon as McDonald was drafted and the Jets didn't land a tackle in the first round, that's immediately what I pivoted to. It's like, all right, AVT, I know you might be better at guard, but you're still a damn good right tackle. You play there. The Jets have good depth inside. They have Connor McGovern. They have Lakin Tomlinson, Schweitzer, Cologne. Joe Tittman, the, the interior will be fine if AVT plays outside. What do you make of that? At what point, I mean, especially all it takes is one, Mekhi Becton injury, which is fairly likely, and an injury to Dwayne Brown, who's 38 years old, to be in a very dire situation at tackle where Billy Turner's your left tackle and Max Mitchell's your right tackle, in which case the best offensive line is definitely AVT at one of those tackle spots. What do you make? of AVT potentially playing tackle. Are you giving him any reps in training camp or are you just waiting for the wheels to fall off this thing? Well, this is a good point that you made to me when we were talking about this a few days ago. But, you know, I was saying how, you know, is having Wes Schweitzer at guard instead of Mitchell or Turner at tackle, like, is that that much different? But the point that you made is that, you know, if there's a spot where you're going to be bad, you the tackle's the last spot you want to be. Like, you'd rather have your weak spot at guard than tackle. And I, and I agree with that. And it can hurt you to be weak at any offensive line position. As we know, we've seen bad centers, bad guards with the jets, but tackle is definitely, especially from a, a pass protection standpoint, the most dangerous position to be bad at. I mean, just look what the jets were able to do to Josh Allen and that bills game when their starting tackle was out. Uh, you don't want edge pre- too much edge pressure on your quarterback. You don't want Rogers taking those shots, man. Exactly. Like, whether it's blindside in front of him, you don't want that. The interior pressure, you can, it still hurts, but the quarterback can see it and mitigate it and at least protect himself. The edge pressure, that's where it gets dangerous. So I agree with you that, you know, I would rather take the chance on, you know, let's, let's deal with Schweitzer or whoever is going to play guard instead of Mitchell or Turner. So, but that's us. Do the Jets want to play him a tackle? That's what the question is because, you know, despite what he showed last year, which was really impressive, it really feels like they're, committed to keeping him at guard I wouldn't say by all means because there could be another dangerous situation like last year but uh, it seems like they really want him to stick there and I I get it because I agree I think that's his best position he can be an all pro there but you know there does like as you mentioned 
they are only a couple of injuries away from a very realistic scenario where AVT a tackle is probably your best option. So uh, I, I feel like it's going to be similar to last year. I, I'm not sure we're going to see him get reps at tackle, whether it's in the preseason or practice, but I think, you know, that is their plan C, you know, similar to how it was last year. I mean, we didn't even really anticipate it. Did he get no. any tackle reps last year at all? No, right. No, but, just the week of, of Pittsburgh in practice yeah, and nobody knew. Yeah. Just and we didn't know it, it was, yeah. it was just a secret. So I, I think it'll be similar to that. Like if it comes to an emergency, they'll do it, but I don't think it's high in their priority list. I will say Tipman and McGovern, while both centers, both have guard experience. And if Rogers wants a veteran center, yeah, we'll get, we'll get to Tipman in a second. Um, who had a nice game in the hall of fame game. If it gets to a dire level, it's like McGovern can stay at center and you can play Tipman at right guard, even though he's a rookie. If that means that AVT is on your line as a tackle, I feel like at a certain point you'd rather have, like you said, a a good tackle and a solid guard than a great guard and a bad tackle. Um, I like the trade right. option. And you said it first, out. so take take credit for it. I'll take, yeah, I guess so. Um, so yeah, I mean, interesting. I mean, the one thing about this offensive line that we're not talking about at all is. Lake and Tomlinson needs a bounce back season. So we'll see how he a looks. Quick thing on Tomlinson. I don't know if you saw that video the Jets posted today, but they were asking a bunch of kids at practice who their favorite player was, and one kid said Lake and Tomlinson. That that was that was it? That was all you wanted to say? But yeah, yeah. I just want to bring <laughs> well, that maybe up. Maybe he likes donuts. I was shocked. Yeah, that that could be it. It was just I respect that a kid's favorite player is an offensive lineman. I have immense respect for that. But we have AVT. Like it was right the worst there. One. You could have yeah, picked him. Speaking of ABT, I literally haven't heard a single thing about him the entire camp. That's how you know how good he is. Which is great, yeah. One tweet. I haven't seen a single tweet about ABT. So, um, yeah, now that yeah, you mention well, it, like I, I don't even remember the last time I heard him doing a thing. Yeah, well, that's that means he's doing his job, and he exactly. is a he's a damn good player, and show that he could be a damn good tackle. And at a certain point, tackle is more important than guard. The situation, if it gets dire, I won't be surprised. Let's say I, I tweeted out over under four and a half weeks until AVT is playing tackle, which I guess is a bit of a joke. I'll say this. Do you think we see AVT at either tackle spot at any point this season? I guess it comes down to the decision of you know, what we talked about earlier. Will they trade for someone if it gets dire? Or will they go back to the AVT route? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say yes. I think he will yeah, play too. tackle. I don't... As much as I want to see a trade, I just don't feel like it's going to happen. It's, I feel like it's probably more likely they just go with what worked last year because when AVT filled in a tackle, it, it worked great, and the offense did continue to you know, be solid with him at that position, and they ran the ball well with Bree. So I, I think they'll feel okay to go to that if they have to over a trade. That, that's what I think they will do. I would like to trade for someone, but I think they would prefer to go with that. And it's not even just 38-year-old Dwayne Brown, and who, by the way, you know, he did tear his rotator cuff, but he played every game, so you can't use that completely as a knock against him. Obviously, Becton's had his injury issues, but hasn't Billy Turner been fairly injury-prone as well throughout his career? I'm trying to look up his... Yeah, for the most part, I believe he has. Last year, he played like eight games, I think. So, yeah, you got three tackles, and I mean, Mitchell's situation was a little different, but all your tackles have struggled with injury issues. Yeah, he and, played eight games last year. He missed four the year before that and two the year before that. Yeah, so it's a long season, especially if you're a team like the Jets who's trying to make a deep playoff run. I think you see AVT at right tackle at some point, and I also think you might see a, an offensive line addition as well. Um, you know, the, the dream scenario, trade for Zach Martin, bump AVT out to tackle, I don't think is very realistic, but 
I could see I could see some sort of trade happening before the deadline. They got to do something with that thirty-five million. Um, all right, before we get off the offensive line, Joe Tipman, I thought he was the the star of the Jets' offensive line. What'd you make of his performance? And also the other rookie, Carter Warren, who quietly put together a, an okay night. I felt at, at left tackle, he played a hell of a lot of snaps. So, what did you make of those two rookies' performances? I thought Tipman was excellent in both phases. I I made it a point to watch all of his reps, just focus on him because, you know, he's been a sub, the subject of a little controversy recently. He was a exciting second round pick. Now he's getting 13 reps. Apparently he's not a candidate to start uh, based on the reports we're hearing. So I want to see what was going on with him. I think everyone did, you know, is he really struggling that much? But in this game, he was outstanding. I thought the pass protection was clean the whole time. I mean, he's picking up stunts. He was winning his one-on-ones. Uh, then in the run game, I thought he really stood out. I mean, and what he showed in the run game, I think also could translate to what you said. You know, if you need guard snaps in a pinch, I think he can give you that because, I mean, we saw him making reach blocks where he would get across the line, flip his hips and pin guys inside. Um, we saw him getting out in space. His zone blocking was great on combo blocks. He was great. So he's doing everything against those Browns backups as you would like to see him do. So that, that was promising. Well, I know it seems like McGovern's penciled in, but I am curious to see if Tidman can play like this every single game throughout the preseason. Does he make it a conversation? And I know Salah said to the media that he thought it was a good performance. That he even called it surprising. So, I mean, maybe his practice performance, you know, maybe that wasn't indicative of what he's doing in practice. Maybe there's a little bit more that – that's going on in practice we didn't see translate in the game. So Salah called it surprising, but he said, you know, he wants to see Tidman continue stacking those days, stacking those days, not just in practice, but or not just in preseason, but in practice as well. So uh, if he can do that, I'm curious to see what he can make of this center competition because the way he played, I thought, you know, he looked like you're playing against backups, but just the consistency and the number of things he did well made me feel like he was starting potential starting material. The only thing I didn't like from his performance, there were a few inaccurate snaps. So that's something you can clean up a couple of high snaps, uh, really to all three quarterbacks. So a little inconsistent with that, that other than that, I really liked how he played. And then Carter Warren, I didn't focus on him specifically too much, but I also didn't notice him a lot, which usually is a good thing. There was one play, the screenplay to, uh, to Izzy where Warren got beat, kind of affected Zach Wilson's throw a little bit. That was the only play that kind of stood out to me as bad. So I thought he he was he was all right. So good start for him, I would say. Yeah, and then I guess we can move through some of the other rookies here. Or if you have any, let's stick with the offense for now. Any other uh, players stick out to you? I know Banikanda had the touchdown. I did think he he missed some holes earlier in the game, but he did seem to settle in. He seems like he's a home run hitter, and he's got to learn how to sometimes take. Uh, the four to five yard run instead of looking for for the home run, but the speed on that on that touchdown is is really uh, how did Joe Blue put it? Uh, angle eliminator. Yeah, yeah, that's the term he used. Really, I like that. really, really stands out uh, on that guy. I felt I felt that Koontz made a number of, of plays. You tweeted out that clip of him um, covering a punt. Definitely yeah. a special teams weapon. We'll get to our fifty three predictions in a bit, um, but it'll be interesting to see if he sticks on the roster. Also, um, quick question regarding that: Should is it slightly concerning that I'm posting clips of a fourth string tight end blocking on punts in the preseason? Hell no, because I think I think Zach Koontz has a, a cult following just because of his uh, relative athletic score. 
I mean, there aren't. I'm saying, too many guys I'm saying, that, like for my personal well-being, like. Well, yeah, but we already knew that. Doing that make me somewhat of a psycho. We already knew that, like three years ago. That's true. When we were, do- when we were doing these podcasts during the 2020 season, I we figured that out. But right. Uh, no, I mean, I think that's that's valuable content. I think I did a good engagement on that. Um, I love that stuff. That's some of my favorite stuff. Yeah, I mean, we've, so we've literally interviewed the most, you know, niche things, parts of the game. Like, who else is looking at? We've interviewed the long snapper and the punter on this podcast. That that is yeah. our area. So, um, other things in the offense that stood out. What did you make of? You know, Jason Brownlee had a lot of hype entering the week, and I thought, you know, up up and down performance. You know, he had a nice move after the catch. You know, got got going a little bit with Boyle, but maybe not the performance that some fans were expecting after the hype that was building up throughout last week. Uh, and then Malik Taylor had a nice game. Obviously, had the big con- uh, connection with Zach Wilson. Robbie was talking about him getting starting reps at the beginning of, of training camp. It also seems like this, you know, since this game, he's been getting more reps with the starting unit. So what do you make for that battle for uh, receiver six between Brownlee and, and Taylor and, and how they played in that Hall of Fame game? Yeah, it's an interesting one because Brownlee's obviously had an amazing training camp. And it's not just the one highlight catch he's made. I think it's backed up by the fact that the way that the coaches talk about him is you know that validates the fact that he's being consistent and it's not just one catch that kind of blew up. So I was interested to watch him and and he got a share of targets, uh, most mostly in that first half really. Uh, and there was even the one stretch of plays where he got three straight targets at the end of the first half. But uh, but yeah, I think it was up and down. The first couple of catches he made were nice. There was one where he caught like a little sit, a little curl, and showed really good spatial awareness, pivoting up the field, knowing where the defender was coming from and getting the yak to turn that to a first down. Um, do you remember what the other catch was? I remember that one, but he, it was like a slant, like a quick in-breaking throw. Yeah, unless I'm wrong. back-to-back catches. Yeah, yeah, so he had a couple of those short catches, but then later there were some contested throws. He had a couple broken up. Uh, the one wasn't an easy catch, but he leaped up, kind of squared it up to his chest, and it bounced off his chest, so you can call it a drop or a tough throw that he couldn't get. So a little bit of a mixed bag with him. Um, Sounds like a drop. Taylor- yeah, I mean, he <laughs> hit him in the chest. It hit his chest. It hit his chest. I'm just saying because like he had to jump up to get right. to it, so maybe not a gimme, but you know, it, call it what you want. I thought there were some balls he could have had. So interested to see how he bounced uh, bounces back from that. But Taylor, obviously, with the deep catch, but a guy who kind of stood out to me, who I'm interested to watch more over the next few games is Xavier Gibson, and I know he yeah. had the muffed punt, uh, but then he did make up for it with a good return later. But there were some routes where he, there were some good routes he had where he didn't get targeted. There was the one throw where uh, Zach overthrew him, and he also kind of got held on that one. It looked like the defender was holding his like his wrist. Um, so there's that. We'll, bl- there we'll also, blame the overthrow on that. We'll blame that. Um, and then there was another – well, that was like an out route. Then there was another corner route where he just completely dusted his guy. Um, and there were a few other routes where he just showed really good suddenness. I know Robbie has talked about him standing out in camp at times. So uh, I'm interested to see if he could put up some numbers throughout the next few games because he had, he put some good film out there with his routes. All right, let's talk defense and then we'll get into these 53 man roster predictions. Um, the linebacker situation is interesting. Hamza Nasruddin gets injured on, I think it was like the first play of the game. Uh, and then he's cut and uh, the jets brought in two veteran linebackers. I, I'm going to be honest. I completely forgot their names. So I got to look it up real quick. Uh, but I thought Chaz Surratt had a nice game. I thought Claude and Shirelis had a nice game as well. What do you make of, of these linebackers? I know I asked you on, on Friday's pod, but now that we've had a chance or Thursday, 
Uh, now that we've had a chance to actually go back and watch these linebackers, and then the Jets made a number of moves at linebacker this week, um, what did you make of, of their performance and the depth that the Jets have, considering they did not choose to bring Quan back? Yeah, I thought Surratt stood out. The interception he made was really good. And the thing is, you know, whenever someone makes an kind of thrown right to him, though, to be fair, it, I, I, I get that part. But I think leading up to that, the way he put him put himself in position to get it was really nice because you know he dropped back, he read the quarterback first, but then he looked behind him. He felt out. He felt out that the crossing route was coming behind him. So we sort of drifted back with it, checked the quarterback again. Then he looked back again to kind of confirm where that route was going, drifted with it some more, and he just perfectly anticipated where to be. So, yeah, it was a terrible throw and an easy catch, but I liked the way he got to it. So that was impressive. Showed his athleticism. Showed his, yeah, for sure. You know, former quarterback, maybe that plays in, played into him being able to make that interception. Um, so I thought that interception stood out. For the most part, he showed some good instincts and coverage. Um I thought uh, Barnes had a, a shaky debut to start out. He had he had three missed tackles, and he looked like he was responsible for that one touchdown coming out of the backfield. So uh, rookie sixth-round pick, you expected it, but I think you did see uh, the speed and the physical tools with Barnes. So there's definitely something to work with there and potential for him to be good on special teams to start out. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was interesting. They made those linebacker moves, um, cutting uh, Nazaraldine and uh, Malik Hall, the undrafted rookie. And bringing in those two veterans, uh, Sam Sam Aguavin and Nick Vigil. Uh, Thank I, you. I think one of those guys. I I know. It's, you could. Did you kind of hear me like digging? I was trying to make sure I could remember that. I, I looked I it up. It. I was already. I got know. it. Surprisingly, uh, but, they went with some old guys though. But yeah, like I recognize both names. They played in the league. Uh, Aguavin was a core special teams guy for the Dolphins the last four years, and Vigil started a lot of games for the Bengals last year. He was on the Cardinals. So I feel like one of those guys might have a shot to compete with Surratt and also some of those undrafted guys like Cheryl, as you mentioned, Johnson, who I thought both those guys looked pretty solid. Um, yeah, it seems like there's a really deep competition here for one, maybe two spots at the bottom end of that linebacker death chart. And uh, I think Vigil and Aguavin aren't just bodies because they've been on rosters every single year throughout the past few seasons. So, uh, so they can play. They can fill out the back of the roster. I'm curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, and then moving around the defense. The defensive line seems pretty set, uh, and Saul even said so. You know, Part of the reason Bryce Huff was playing so deep into that game is because they're so deep there that they didn't have enough bodies to you know not have him play. I don't know if I fully buy that, but we'll, we'll take it for now. Uh, I don't know if I would risk playing Bryce Huff that deep into the Hall of Fame game, but it worked out all right. What would you make of, of the D-line's performance? Obviously, we all saw McDonald's spin move over and over and over again, and Clearly a, an athlete. It seems like he's had a couple of nice practices as well since then. Um, that's a guy who's going to earn some playing time this year and, and make a difference, especially as a pass rusher. Watching his performance back was pretty exciting. I also thought he held up better than I expected in the run game. Um, but you can see in that wide nine front why, why it's really suited for him. So McDonald, Huff, the rest of the defensive line, what did you make of their performance? Anybody under the radar stand out to you? I know our guy Tanzel Smart you know, had a nice play or two. What do you make of the, the D-line? I thought it was a pretty quiet game for the defensive line. Uh, I mean, McDonald had a few flashes. The one spin move he had was pretty outstanding in a show of his potential. But other than that, I thought he didn't really win too often. Um, Huff came in and make this, made the sack. I'm not sure why he – and we talked about this last time, but not sure why he was playing so much. Um, I don't know. It was a really quiet game for the D-line. Now, J.J. only played a little bit, but he, he had, had nice- he had one – 
yeah, he had that one really nice move where he kind of gave the arm over, deflected the pass. So, you know, one great win like that, you only play like six snaps or whatever it was. That's a good outing. Um, but other than that, I don't have too much to say about the defensive line. It was a pretty quiet game. Any Anything for the secondary? Uh, secondary, too. I, I mean, Trey Dean did t- seem to have some good hits out there. I know he's been hitting a lot in practice. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, which I, I guess you expect that from an undrafted free agent who's you know, trying to stand out, fight to make the team. But, um, yeah, I mean, secondary, too. I mean, they struggled a little bit in that second half, gave up some big plays. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Not a lot to say about them either. All right. Uh, yeah, and I know Craig James gave up the touchdown, but I thought he had had some nice moments in that game as well. And I saw he was even getting some reps with the first team, but I know in training camp they kind of they shuffled all around. Um, all right, well, let's get to some 53-man roster predictions. Um, update them since the ones that we did before camp. Um, I think – I know we differ at some areas. I'm not – I don't quite know where, but let's just run through it. Quarterback, I seem pretty confident that they're going to just carry the two, Rodgers and Wilson, on the active roster. I think they'll cut Boyle, bring him back on the practice squad for sure. Uh, Strevler, we'll see. I don't know if he makes the practice squad. Um, maybe just for the vibes, but he really did not look good in that in that preseason game. And I got to say, this is a deep Jets roster that it wouldn't surprise me if the practice squad is, is pretty deep this year. Maybe they don't want to use a space on, on Strevler. We'll see. But I think we're... we're uh, so far, see eye to eye on the QB position. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. You were looking Same at your page. phone, so all right, there we go. I was right. I was yeah, listening. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, running back, running back. I have him keeping the four. I don't have him signing Dalvin Cook. We'll see if that changes. We're not going to talk about him. Don't worry. Um, Hall, Knight, Carter, Abanacanda. I will say, well, we'll get through the rest of the offense, and I'll come back to this. But I do think there's a there is a there is potential for the Jets to just carry three, even if they don't sign Dalvin Cook, because one, it is a deep free agent market. I think they can sign somebody. They have Travis Dye that they'll stash in the practice squad. If they're able to get anything for, for Michael Carter, I know he's still getting some first-team reps and whatever, and Brees is coming back from the ACL, but as we get deeper into this this offense, might make more sense to carry three. But for now, I'll say they're going to carry four running backs, Hall Knight, Carter, Banacanda. You, you with me on that? Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. I mean, the possibility three is interesting, but I'm going to go with four for now. Yeah. Um, and Carter, if they did carry three, seems like the odd man out because Vanekan's a rookie, obviously not Hall, and seems like Zonovan Knight's been up playing him, but we'll see. Uh, it sounds like Nick Bodden's making this this team, so I'm keeping the fullback. It was, it's telling that he didn't even play in this this preseason game. I think you're with me on that. The other guy yeah. that's telling that didn't even play, Jeremy Ruckert, very telling that he didn't play in that game, considering how limited action he got last year. And he's seemingly having a great camp, getting a lot of run with the starters. That's a guy you're going to see on game days. Curious to see how many, how much 13 personnel will get. I think that's your best take of the offseason was that he was going to overtake Uzama. It seems like it's already starting to happen, although Uzama is still going to get uh, his reps. So let's talk tight ends. I have him keeping three for now. Conklin, Uzama, Ruckert. I've gone back and forth on the fourth one. Uh, really, it's Zach Koontz. I mean, they could keep Yaboa. They have EJ Jenkins, but I think they'll stash him on the practice squad. It's it's really do they keep Koontz? Are they worried? Uh, would another team sign him if they cut him? He could be a core special teamer. He obviously has a crazy high ceiling. Um, it's really do you keep a fourth tight? For me in my roster, it's do you keep a fourth tight end or a six receiver? I'm going with the six receiver. I'm going to hope that they can stash Koontz onto the practice squad. Um, so I'm rolling with just the three tight ends. Is that how you have it? Yeah, that's the same thing I have. I think Koontz is practice squad bound and i do think they'll keep a six receiver 
So with those six receivers, Wilson, Lazard, Davis, Hardman, Cobb seem all like locks, barring any injuries and stashing a one eye or whatever. And then the six, it seems to me, between Jason Brownlee and Malik Taylor, Gibson could put himself in that conversation with a really strong camp, but I think he's he's more practice squad material. Brownlee's been getting a lot of buzz from from the national media, I, uh, but Taylor's been getting seemingly more reps with the starters. I've gone back and forth on this one. I'm going to go with Brownlee for now because I feel like I feel stronger uh, in their ability to stash him on the practice squad rather than cutting a guy like Brownlee who might have some fans around the league and a team adding him to their roster. So I'm going to go with Brownlee and then stashing Taylor on the on the practice squad. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I agree. All right. Wow, we're perfect so far. We might have the same offense because he gets the offensive line. I think I just have I have five. I think yep, and the tackles seem pretty set in stone. Brown. Becton, Mitchell, Warren, and Turner. Um, I don't anticipate any changes there um, unless they make a move. And then in the interior, uh, McGovern, AVT, Tomlinson, Tipman. I personally like from from watching them this offseason, I like Cologne more than Schweitzer, but Schweitzer's getting paid more, seeing more time. Yeah, Cologne had a good game too. So I'm interested to see if he makes it, but I don't think yeah. so. I think Cologne, they might be able to stash in the practice squad. It seems like Schweitzer's going to make it over him. If it were up to me, but I don't see him in practice every day, I would go Cologne over Schweitzer. But for now, I'm going Schweitzer. Is that your offensive line? Yep. All right, cool. So we're the exact same on offense. That's 26 guys, I believe. All right, so let's see if we're the same for defense as well. We might we might match up pretty well here. Uh, defensive line, this seems pretty set in stone, but the edges, JFM, Lawson, Johnson, Huff, Clemens, and McDonald, that's yep. set. The interior... Woods, Q, Jefferson. I really wanted to cut Solomon Thomas. I do think there's potential for somebody to push him off this roster. If you know, either at another position, if somebody's, if there's really somebody's making it hard to to cut, or maybe a guy like Tanzel Smart. But it seems like Thomas has the love of the coaching staff and and the locker room. So I'll keep Thomas for now. Do you, do you have Solomon Thomas making this team? I do, but as I look at my roster right now, I do have 54 guys. Oh, so okay. I'm trying to figure out. Who I'm going to take off? Now, I'm interested to see who you don't have that I do. So it's possible I'm yeah. bad at math. It's possible I miscounted, so I'll, I'll double check. But um, all right, we'll keep moving through. Originally, I had the Jets keeping four linebackers: Quincy Mosley, Sherwood, and Barnes. And I was going to keep five safeties because I was just like, you know what? I think they can cut all their linebackers and stash them on the practice squad. I think that still might be the case, but the fact that they made this many moves at linebacker this week, and you pointed out to me it's such a valuable position for special teams. I think they'll keep five. I'm going to give it to Surratt. I think Sharilis or one of those veterans that they signed has a, has a chance to to push for that fifth linebacker spot. But for now, I'm going to give it to Surratt. You, you with me on that so far? I actually have four linebackers. So if you have one more linebacker than me, I'm I very told you curious I'm bad at to math. see how this is playing out. Maybe that's just the case here. Hold on, hold on. All right, you tell me your secondary why recount real okay. quick. I got six corners. Obviously, the three starters plus Eccles, Gidry, Hardy. I don't I have, have Gidry. four safeties. You don't have Gidry? Okay, so no. that balances us out. But I have four safeties. I have Whitehead, Amos, Adams, and JBC. I did miss. Are you? Yeah. You have four as well. Have I have four, four as well. I forgot. I forgot. I had Hardy as a special team, which is fine. But I was just already thinking, like, all right, I need fifty between the offense okay. and defense, and then the three. So I got to make a cut here. Damn. Right, so so maybe. All right. I think we're equal now. So we both got to make a cut. That's what's hard. And the one I look at is, is it going to be wide receiver? Because like Bodden really here, mixes things up here. Here are your potential cuts. Um, I would say either they keep four linebackers, either they keep five receivers, or they cut Solomon Thomas. 
who Thomas. What about Gidry? You think that's a possibility? Five corners? That's what I have. Oh, you have that. Okay, I yeah. could do that. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, re, you, you know, a filibuster for a minute here. Let me, let me just okay. recount. I think you might be over, look, this is just, my God. All right, you filibuster for a second. I mean, so did you count, what'd you count that you had? Don't, you can't, you can't count. Okay, okay. Filibuster means talk. Okay. I got to count, bro. Like, I really right. like the all white uniforms. Oh, that, Jesus that's my Christ. go-to. That's my go-to if you want me to just ramble. Talk, talk through, talk through the process. Who are you going to cut? Okay, so I think one, Gidry two, is probably where I'm going to go with three, no, because you know I think Eccles can back up both spots. It's just you know Hardy really makes cornerback complicated because he doesn't play defense and you don't want him to, so he's kind of like a special teams only player, which is pretty rare, and it can only happen for a guy who's as good as he is okay. at special teams. So he makes it interesting, but. I guess I Gidry's at- guy I have to go with because they could go five receivers, but I I feel like they need that six wide receiver. Because, I'm, tr- I'm curious. Because none of the how- other receivers play special teams. So I think they need a six to- guy. You have to be two over. All right, I'm going to recount. I just took out Gidry. Yeah, now you recount. Because I don't have Gidry, and I think we're the, the same. I think the one guy to keep in mind is uh, Bernard Converse. I think they might be able to. Yeah, I'm at 53 he- after taking out Gidry. How is that possible? Oh, actually, no. I'm at 52 now. Yeah. What? Never mind. I'm putting Gidry back. How now are we this bad at math? <laughs> what are you talking about? Analytics. This our, our podcast is listed. Let me hear. Let me hear your roster analytics one more time. Podcast. This is uh, screw the podcast for a second. Just let me hear your your roster. Okay. Two quarterbacks. Okay. Four running backs. Six. Six receivers. Seven. Or shit. Sorry, I was counting fullback. Uh. All right. Twelve. Twelve. Yeah, three tight ends. Okay, one fullback, 16, five tackles, 21, offense, five interior offensive line, 26. five corners. Okay, well, sorry, sorry. You're 26 at offense. We know that. Yeah, Let's pause yeah. there. Then on defense, you have five corners. Okay, five. five corners. How many safeties? Four. Nine. Go to Four linebackers. linebackers. Okay, 13. Four tackles. Okay. Six 17. edge defenders, or not six. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Six edge defenders. 23. Am I dumb? I think we have to be the same then. All right. All right. Let me let me cut here for a second and just double check this real quick. All right, the 50 IQ points between Michael and I were able to count our <laughs> rosters accurately. Uh, we are both at 53 now. Probably should have done that before the podcast. But yes, the, the question for me was between... Uh, a fifth linebacker and a fourth safety. I went and I cut Surratt, but as I was going to say before we got into this whole thing, I think they might stash uh, Converse on short-term IR at the beginning of the season, which in which case would open up another spot, in which case I think they could bring back Surratt. Um, but yeah, I, I, now that we do go through the roster, the argument between a fourth running back, a sixth receiver, or a fourth tight end you, you really, I think, can only have one of those three things. And for right now, we, we have them keeping – I guess you could do two. But right now, we have them keeping six receivers. Um, but it's just like if you do four running backs and six receivers, you're going to be light on linebackers. So that is something to, to consider. Uh, and also, then you think about they're going to have six guys in active on game day. So this is a deep team. Uh, you know, as, as bad as this made me feel about our ability to count, did make me feel damn good about the depth of this this team and their ability to survive injuries outside of tackle 
and probably quarterback as well. Um, so with that said, Michael, any last thoughts on, on this 53? I guess, by the way, the, the part of the reason it made it hard is Hardy's a designated special team. Special teamer, we all know Zerline, Hennessy, and, and Morstead are going to make it as well. So that brings us to 53. Any last thoughts on the on your 53 as it stands right now? I'm, I'm going to just go with the four linebackers and keep um, Converse, Amos, Whitehead, and Adams as my safeties. But I think they're going to be some some gymnastics after the fact, whether guys go on IR, put it stashing guys on the practice squad, and whatnot. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the 53? Yeah, I'm curious to see some of those gymnastics. I think the one you mentioned that is starting to feel like a possibility is JBC going on IR, and that could open up another spot. You know, maybe Dean replaces him on the roster, or maybe that goes to a linebacker. So that's something I would keep an eye out for. And three running backs. Keep an eye yeah. out. I don't. I don't think they'd cut Carter straight out, but I could see it. I could see him getting traded. Although he is well liked in the locker room, that that might be a tough sell. Um, some some other practice squad candidates before we get out of here. Um, if you have any, shout them out. But we went through the, the receivers between uh, Taylor and or Brownlee Gibson. I think you know Irvin Charles has some fans as well. Maybe even Jerome Cap. They could go heavy at receiver if they want. Um, I think Gidry is a, is an obvious stash as well. I think at safety, they can probably stash Ashton Davis there and Trey Dean. Uh, at tight end, they can stash EJ Jenkins, Yaboa, and Kuntz if they only go three. Um, linebacker, I like Shereelis and probably one of the guys that they signed today, if not both of them. Defensive line, Smart and Mack. And then on the offensive line, I think Cologne, Sanat, and uh, Kajust all kind of make sense there. So who are, those are some of the guys I was thinking about the practice squad. Any, any other ones that you'd – after watching the 53 that, that jump out to you as potential practice squad candidates, maybe die the running back. Uh, I mean, I didn't see a ton from him. Craig James. Uh, maybe, but just nothing in, in that game yet. Uh, but I mean, Craig James has been on rosters before, so maybe him. Moreland. Uh, the corner. I think you, I think you hit most of them. I don't know. The secondary didn't show enough to me yet. All right. Well, with that said, Michael, I think we can get out of that. that was a, that was a train wreck at the end there, but you can follow us at CYJ Pod. I promise. Next time we yeah, do a 53, as they we'll say, it's like sometimes you can't pull your eye away. To be fair, from, to be fair, right as we got on, we were like, "All right, let's talk. Let's talk about the Browns game." And I was like, "You know what? Let's let's update our 53." So it was a bit of a last second thing, but next time we do a 53, we'll make sure to count beforehand. Jesus, um, follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. Michael Michael underscore Nania. Myself Ben W Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com. Best place to go for Jets content. Subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. Uh, and if you can, please rate, review, or subscribe on iTunes for the podcast. It helps us out a ton. With that said, Michael, last thoughts. I have a feeling it's going to be about uniforms. Do you have anything else for me? I, I won't talk about uniforms this time. I'll just say I'm looking forward to this week because the Jets are coming down to Carolina. So I'll there we go. be at the joint practice on Wednesday. I'll be at the game on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to seeing it in person. And, you know, on Wednesday, it could potentially be Aaron Rodgers' First time playing against another team as a member of the Jets. So you'll see that. Historic. Yeah, not an official game, but yeah, those those joint practices are going to be huge for uh him as he's probably not going to play in a preseason game. He did say if if they feel like they need more work, he might play in the Giants game, but I think these joint practices are enough. Also, the first hard knocks episode comes out on Tuesday. So I think we're gonna do a podcast Wednesday night. Um, so that'll come out Thursday morning. Your thoughts from the joint practice, being there in person, recapping anything else we saw in hard knocks. And then maybe talking about the, the Panthers game, we might do another podcast for that. We'll see. But thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. We'll be back on Thursday. Go Jets.